Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Amen. I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The Word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bible again to John 3.16. John 3.16. Last week we talked about the extravagant love of God. So we can pick up from there. John 3.16. John chapter 3, verse 16, majority of us know the scripture. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Last week we said John 3, 36, and the message version says, the father loves the son extravagantly. He turned everything over to him so that he could give it away, a lavish distribution of gifts. That is why whoever accepts and trusts the Son gets in on everything, life complete and forever. We also said last week the love of God is characterized by God's generous and giving nature. The love of God is characterized by God's generous and giving nature. Simply we said God loves, so he gives. Say God loves, so he gives. We covered last week that God picked the children of Israel and gave them the promised land because he loved them. He said through Moses in Deuteronomy 7 and chapter 8 that I didn't pick you because you were a big nation or strong and greater than anyone else. I picked you because I loved you and I made a promise to your ancestors. And when you go a few chapters back, well, why did he pick his ancestors? It's because I loved them too. Everything about the promised land, about their victory was based off of God's love for them. We also said last week that one of the reasons the children of Israel did not enter into the promised land was because they did not believe that God loved them. So let's go to Numbers chapter 13. One of the reasons the children of Israel did not enter into the promised land was because they did not believe that God loved them. We also said last week not believing in the love of God will keep you from receiving God's best for you. Numbers 13. Of course, this takes place after the spies return from spying out the promised land. They bring the fruit of the land and shows all the congregation of the children of Israel. And the spies said, we came into the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, or but, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, those are giants. The Amalekites dwell on the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell on the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, by the coast of the Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. 
But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against his people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land though which we have gone through to search is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in our men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, but would God we had died in this wilderness. Wherefore has the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. So what do they say God did? God brought us to the promised land to kill us. When you look at all the times they're murmuring and complaining, this is God is trying to kill us with thirst. God is trying to kill us with hunger. Now God's trying to kill us by the sword and in war. They did not believe in the love of God. They did not believe God loved them, so they thought they were going to lose every battle because they questioned God's care for them. Now we looked at verse 11 last week. And it's God replying to the situation. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be until they believe me for all the signs which I've showed them? We said that word provoke is also defined as hate. So God asked Moses, how long will this people hate me? So not only did they not believe that God didn't love them, not only did they believe that God didn't love them, they also hated God. Not believing in the love of God will lead you to question God's motives, his care, and eventually his love. Not believing in the love of God will lead you to question God's motives, his care, and eventually his love. This process leads people to provoking, despising, and hating the God who is love. If the first generation believed in the love of God, they would have taken the promised land. If the first generation would have believed in the love of God, they would have taken the promised land. How do I know that? Look at chapter, chapter 14 right here, but verse 8. Notice what Caleb is saying. Will Joshua and Caleb speak up? They say, it is a good land that God has brought us. But verse 8 says, if the, land, if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which flows with milk and honey. So this says, if God delights in us, not only will he bring us into this land, he's going to give it to us. Remember, we said it was a gift because God loved them, right? So when we looked at the King James Version, that's what it says. But I looked at two other versions. The Living Bible says it this way. It is a wonderful country ahead, and the Lord loves us. He will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. The Geneva Bible says it this way. If the Lord love us, he will bring us into the land and give it us, which is a land that flows with milk and honey. So Caleb and Joshua had this understanding, God loves us. And because he loves us, he's going to give us his promised land. Don't rebel against what he's saying. Just go ahead and take the land because God loves us. But the rest of the nation did not believe in the love of God. So they did not receive what God had for them. When you run into pressure, resistance, giants, and impossible situations, it is important to know what you believe about the love of God. When you run into pressure, resistance, giants, and impossible situations, it's important to know what you believe about the love of God. Go to Mark chapter 4. 
verse 35. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. We know the most important parable of the Bible is in Mark chapter 4. And Jesus teaches the crowd that. Then he gives the interpretation to the believers and to those who have sown into his ministry, those who are around him. And then he pick up verse 35 of Mark chapter 4. It says, and the same day when the even was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Let's go to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there rose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, don't you care that we're about to die? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Shh, be quiet. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? And how is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see, the storm exposed their fear. The storm exposed their lack of faith. But the storm also brought them to question Jesus' love and care for them. What is the first thing they said? Jesus, don't you care about us? Don't you love us? If you love us, why is this storm happening? If you love us, why don't you stop the storm already? I thought you cared about us. I thought you loved us. What's going on here? The storm made them question God's love and God's care. But see, the thing is, Jesus had already given them the word. He said, let's go to the other side. If Jesus says, we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. And in Mark chapter 4, he had already taught them all day long that Satan comes to steal the word. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. So Satan came with a storm to steal the word. He did not want them to get to the other side because if he got to the other side, the demoniac will be delivered and the entire region will be changed. Now, when he studied the storm, notice there's a storm of wind. It did not say it was raining. This is an invisible storm that grabbed hold to the boat. So you know it had made him afraid. It's an invisible storm. It made the waves go into the boat to make the boat almost about to sink and Jesus leave. Why? He already said, we'll go into the other side. So he asked him, why are you afraid, and where's your faith? What is he saying? Why didn't you deal with it? I already told you what was coming. I already told you how to deal with it. But now because you didn't do what you were supposed to do with your faith, you now think I don't love you. Never let storms of life make you question God's care for you. A lot of people, that's the first thing to do. God, why did you let this happen? God, why did you do this? They call it acts of God. God, why did you let this happen? And they forget there is an enemy. There is a devil. He hates you. He's trying to kill, steal, and destroy at every point. But the first thing they do, they don't blame the enemy. They don't even look at themselves. Did I open this door? They go, God, why did you do this? Don't let the storms of life make you question the love of God. Do not let the pressure of the situation... The enormity of the attack or the fierceness of the opposition make you question God's love for you. 
Instead, allow faith in the extravagant love of God to transform you into a champion. Because if you really believe in the love of God in a radical way, it will transform your nature and make you a champion. So where pressure comes against you, you're not going to sweat the pressure. You're not going to sweat the resistance. You're going to fight, and you're going to win. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. The love of God has transforming power. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Paul says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, Paul's about to make some statements. And he begins it saying, if God is for us, it does not matter who set themselves against us. Why? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So it doesn't matter what we need. In Jesus, God already gave us everything. So if God is for us, it does not matter who's against us. He goes on and says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. Who is it that dares talks about us? Who's going to try to judge us? It's Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who's even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Why does it matter people are talking bad about us when Jesus is standing at the right hand of God talking good about us? Who shall separate us or divorce us or put space between us and the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, that's pressure, or distress, or persecution, or famine, that's not enough, or nakedness, or peril, danger, or sword. It says, what can put us, put space between us and God's love? Is there anything that exists that can separate us from how much God loves us? Why? This love of God gives Paul the mentality, if God be for us, who dare be against us? Because he understands God loves me. So he goes and quotes a psalm, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Now, if you want to be a good Bible student, when you say, see in the Bible where it is written, you go back and look where it is written. So it's quoting Psalm 44. Go to Psalm 44. So let's start at the top of the psalm. Paul doesn't quote the whole psalm, but when you read the psalm, you get the mentality the apostle was using when he was writing this letter. What does the psalmist say? Psalm 44, starting with verses, stanza one. We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what work you did in their days, in the times of old, how you did drive out the heathen with your hand. And plantest them, and how you did afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in their possession by their own sword. Talk about the children of Israel. They didn't get the promised land because they could fight good. Neither did their strength save them, their own arm save them. But how did they get the promised land? By your right hand, by your arm, by your power, and the light of your countenance. Because you had a favor unto them. 
the GNT says it this way, your people did not conquer the land with their swords. They did not win it by their own power. It was by your power and your strength, by the assurance of your presence, which showed that you loved them. You did all these things for them in the promised land with your power, with your might, with your strength, because you loved them. So this psalm is talking about what God did for them in the past based on his what? Love. Picking up with verse 4 in the King James, you are my king, O God, command deliverances for Jacob. Through you, we will push down our enemies. Through your name, we'll tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But you have saved us from our enemies and has put them to shame that hated us. And God, we boast all the day long and praise your name forever. Selah, pause and think about that. Now, that's a great entrance to the psalm. It sounds like victory is going on. God is doing amazing things in the past. He's done amazing things for us right now, and our best is yet to come. That's what it sounds like. But then you read the rest of the psalm, and it's saying things aren't going right. We are losing on every front. All these bad things are happening, and we didn't do anything wrong. We didn't sin. We didn't serve other gods. God, if we messed up, you know everything searches out. Show us where we missed it. That's where the psalmist goes. They said we had victory. We were winning, but then all these bad things started happening. And then he gets to verse 22, and it says, Yea, for your sake are we killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. So wait a minute. We're doing everything right. These people are attacking us because we're your people. So for your sake, because they don't like you, they're attacking us. And it seems like we're on the losing end. They're thinking we're easy prey, that we're going to be slaughtered just like sheep going to get killed. So this is what the psalmist is saying. But that's not where the psalm ends. Awake, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise, cast us not off forever. Don't hide your face from us. Don't forget about us. For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly cleaves to the earth. Arise for our help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. The New Living Translation says, verse 26, rise up, help us, ransom us because of your unfailing love. So the psalmist ends with the same thing he began. Rescue us because you love us. Intervene for us. Fight for us once again because you still love us. Your love never fails. It's unending. It doesn't matter what's going on. Rescue us because of one reason. You love us. That's what the psalmist is saying. And that's what the apostle was quoting. So go back to Romans 8. So Paul is talking about all these things he's facing. Not because he did something wrong. When you study the book of Acts of Paul's letters, you see what he did wrong. You see what he did right. You see persecution that came because he did something wrong and persecution that came because he was doing something right. So Paul is talking about all these different things that are coming against him, not because he did something wrong, but because he's doing something right. And for the sake of Christ, Satan has put everything he's got to take him down. And so he answers what the psalmist is saying, are we going to be easy sheep that are going to be slaughtered? Well, God, not intervene for us. 
Will we be counted out? Will we fall down? Will we be defeated? Will we be killed? Are we going down for the count? Nay, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So he answers that question. We're not just going to win. We're going to more than conquer. Why? He loves us. What can put space between us and the love of God? Nothing. Is it all we going to lose? No. Why? He loves us. And because he loves us, we are more than conquerors. For I am persuaded, I am convinced, I have confidence that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us, put space between us and the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know we're going to win because he loves us. Why, what do we say last week? We look at Psalm 136, verse 1, and all the different verses in that psalm. King James says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. New Living Translation, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. The message version, thank God he deserves our thanks. His love never quits. His love never quits. Paul is saying we are more than conquerors because his love never quits. And Paul is talking about being more than conquerors. And when you look at his life in 2 Corinthians 11 and Acts 14, you see Paul's gone through some things. You may have gone through some things, but you haven't gone through things like Paul. Paul listens, look, here's what's happened to me. Five times I've received 39 stripes, 40 stripes is a death sentence. So I was beaten to an inch in my life five different times. Three times I was beaten with rods. One time I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. I've been in the ocean for a day and a half, not been able to get to safety. I've been, I'm in danger everywhere I go, in danger in the water, in danger of thieves, in danger of my own countrymen, in danger by the heathen, in danger in the city, in danger in the wilderness, in danger when I go to church, in danger wherever I go. He's talking about all these things that are coming with us, coming against them. But he says, shall tribulation separate us from the love of God? No. Shall danger separate us from the love of God? No. Shall insufficiency separate us from the love of God? No. Can Satan take me down? No. We are more than conquerors. Paul didn't let anything take him down no matter what came against him. In Acts chapter 14, he's doing what God called him to do. People come in and stone him till he looked like he's dead. They've been doing this a long time. They know how to kill you with rocks. They kept throwing rocks at him until he stopped moving. They looked at him, said he was dead, and left. The disciples gather around, what are we going to do? They've killed Paul. And all of a sudden, Paul starts moving, gets up, goes back in the city, and the next morning goes to preach. Then he comes back to the same city that tried to kill him and preaches again and keeps moving on. You might think, Paul, why won't you quit? The love of God never quits, so I don't quit. You can quit when the love of God stops. But because his love never quits, you never quit. 
It doesn't matter what you're facing right now. It doesn't matter what you're going through. The love of God will never quit. So you don't quit. You don't give up because God doesn't give up. And because he loves you, you know you're going to win in this situation. You know you're going to make it in this situation. You know the situation's not going to take you out because you know one thing. God loves you. So don't quit because God loves you. His love never quits, so you don't quit. You take confidence that I'm going to win in this life because God loves me. It doesn't matter what Satan does. It doesn't matter what comes up my way. God loves me. Jesus loves me. His extravagant love is manifested towards me, so I'm not giving up. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to win because God loves me. That has to be your mentality because if you radically believe in the love of God like that, it will transform you. You won't be someone going where to lose. Oh, what's going to happen to me? Oh, I know what's going to happen to me. I'm going to win because God loves me. That is your mentality when you radically believe the love of God. When you meditate on the love of God all day long, God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. He loves me as much as he loves Jesus. He loves me as much as he loves Jesus. His love never quits. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. It doesn't matter what Satan throws against me because God loves me. It doesn't matter what that bill says. God loves me. It doesn't matter what the doctor said. God loves me. It doesn't matter what Congress said. God loves me. It doesn't matter what the president said. God God loves me. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court said. God loves me. It doesn't matter what the news says. God loves me. It doesn't matter what the economy says. God loves me. It doesn't matter what they said. God loves me. That has to be your mentality. That's the mentality of a conqueror. It's the mentality of a champion. Nothing can stop you if you really believe how much God loves you. Go to Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. What does Paul say here? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, this is how I live. I live by faith. But not just I live by faith. I live by faith in the one who loves me. I live by faith in the one who loves me. I live by faith. We say we're faith people. Don't stop there. We're faith people and the one that loves us. We have faith in the one that loves us. We're faith people. We're winning people. Why? God loves us. We have faith in the love of God. Because he loves us, he's going to rescue us. Because he loves us, he's going to give us victory. Because he loves us, he's going to provide it. Because he loves us, he's going to heal. Because he loves us, he's going to give us direction. Because he loves us, he's going to make a way when there's no way. Because he loves us. And the dark and the night, when you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say, God loves me, I win. That's right. It's going to turn. 
Because he loves me. doesn't matter how long it takes, it's going to turn because he loves me. You have to have that mentality. You have to have that confidence. You have to hang on to the love of God. You live by faith in the love of God. You love, you love, and you live. You love, and you live. You love, and you live. You love, and you live because God is love. And your faith is he really does love me. Because if you don't believe that way, you'll miss out on God's best. And you'll be like the children of Israel in the wilderness who die out not receiving what God had for them. But if you believe in his love and go forward, you receive everything God has for you. God's promises are wonderful. Don't leave the promised land on the horizon because you don't believe in his love. You have to believe in his love on such a level where people think you've taken this to the extreme. So yes, it's good that you're Christian. Yes, we know God loves us, but you've really taken this to extreme. You need to be extreme when it's concerned how much God loves you. Because God went to extreme lengths to show you. He sent Jesus. And everything that was done to Jesus was done because he loved you. And God did not want you to go through what Jesus went through. So he put your punishment on Jesus. Stop thinking God is trying to punish me. No, he already punished Jesus for you. God is trying to get me back because I did wrong. He already got Jesus so he doesn't have to get you. He put everything on Jesus. God sent one man to hell. His name was Jesus. So you don't have to go. He put everything on Jesus. So you can receive only good from him. It's his extravagant love. Because of what Jesus did, you have access to God. And it's not just about how you made mistakes in the past. He's your atoning sacrifice forever. So everything you've done in the past, everything you did today, everything that you will continually do, Jesus said, I take the check. I've paid for it. Because I love you. The love of God has to get so much in your core and your thinking that you don't make plans without expecting God to manifest his love. That even though I'm looking at something, yeah, here's the natural things I need to do. And I know it's going to work out because I know the natural things. But I know something good is going to happen on top of that because God loves me. Something good is going to happen today because he loves me. Yeah, I don't know how this is going to turn, but it's going to turn because he loves me. Because if you radically believe that, you can't be depressed. And if you are, you can't stay depressed. Why? Because he loves you. And you think about how much he loves you. We talked about last week how he sings over you. God breaks out into song over you. Surrounds you with songs of deliverance. Because he loves you. This is what you have to believe. God loves you. Because when you read Ephesians chapter 2, you realize he is going to show off his grace and his goodness for eternity. God loves you so much. He's already started it now, but you're really going to see it in heaven and you're really going to see it in eternity. All God wants to do for the rest of forever is show off for you because he loves you. he loves you extravagantly. He's going to show off. God's a show off. God's not conservative. God thinks, well, that's, I've loved them enough. That's enough. No, it's overflow. 
That's what God wants you to receive. But you have to get yourself to a place where you radically believe the love of God that way. Because based on how much you believe in the love of God, it's based off of how much you receive. You have to believe. You have to think this way. You have to talk this way so that you can experience it now. And not just put it off, well, that's a great experience in eternity. Well, now is part of eternity. So experience it now. Stand to your feet. Go ahead and lift your hands and thank God for the love of God. Oh, Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you love us. We believe in your love. We receive your love. You said you sent us the Holy Spirit, the spirit of love, who pours out his love into our heart. So let your love be poured out into our heart afresh tonight to the point that it saturates every cell of our being so people can sense the love of God just by being in our presence. So Minister Nathan, go ahead and sing that before we go. Go ahead and sing it with the message.
what I'm doing the next number of Wednesday nights till God says stop is to get you so filled with the love of God so overflowing in the mentality of his love that you're drunk off of the love of God that you're everywhere you go think oh he loves me he loves me you're such a positive person now because he loves me you expect only good because he loves you that's what we're doing on Wednesday night going to get you to a place that you are such at a place that he loves me, he loves me, he loves me to the point it pushes out all religion, all denominationalism that made you think that you can't receive from God because now you understand how much he loves you. That's what we're doing on Wednesday night, battling everything that would try to keep you from receiving God's best. So we preach and teach on the revelation of his love until you come to a place where you're just smiling all the time. He loves me. He loves me. He really does love me. Not just love me generally, he loves the world, he loves me. To where it's not a shock for you to say, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. It's now your reality that brings boldness to your faith. Because now you can start praying like Jesus did. The same intimacy relationship Jesus had with the Father. That he can look at the Father and know the Father loved him. Whatever he asked for, he's going to get you can look at the Heavenly Father the same way because you know He loves you. When you do that, see, the revelation of the love of God, it'll change how you live. Because when you really believe God loves you, you're like, I don't want to do that because He loves me. You know what? He loves me too much for me to keep living this way. What is that? A manifestation of the Holy Ghost and fire. Because the fire of God is the fire of love. And the love of God will transform you. It's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. Yes, judgment happens because people don't turn. But that's not how God wants them to be. He wants people to turn just because he's good. Because they believe his love. And you get so full of the love of God, you'll start loving people just like God loves people. And then they're going to want to know, Jesus, how can he treat me so well, even though I've been a, a mess? God loves me, and he loves you too. You have to get full of the love of God. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.